it's been a year, over a year since he's had her, and I'm still finding custody of my daughter. As a disclaimer, everything that my guests and I say are individual opinions and do not represent the opinions of the Marine Corps and the Department of Defense. Now let's jump into the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Uh, my guest today is Sandra Ortiz. So I met Sandra back in 2007, December 2007, <laughs> boot camp. So Sandra and I go way back to the beginning of the Marine Corps. Sandra, welcome. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, I really appreciate you. You know, like you said, we go way back. <laughs> way back. I know. Yeah. So, um, okay. I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot. So tell us who you are, where you live, and what you do. So again, hello, everyone. Let's go back to your family. Where were, where were you born? Where were you raised? What's your family like situation like? So I was born in Mexico. I was born in Mexico, raised there for three years. When I was three years, I my mom brought me to America, to Chicago. So I was raised in Chicago. So that was that was pretty hard. But I think jumping around the whole school systems, you know, like from different locations in Chicago, I think is kind of helped me. Yeah. So I think I've been used to moving so much in my life that like PCSing really just feels so easy to me. Raised in Chicago, worked from a really young age. I think I started working uh, when I was 13. My parents, you know, they worked their asses off. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have the mouth of a sturdy sailor. I started working when I was 13, you know, working at a little restaurant that my mom, one of her coworkers, she had a family that owned a restaurant. So they hired me for the summer and I would just bust tables and kind of help back up in the back in the kitchen. Um, so I've been working from a really young age. From there, I had like other jobs. I worked at a uh, fruit market. I worked at Goodwill. I worked at my last job before I joined the war was um, at a dealership, fixing, you know, paying, do, doing payroll and doing the plates for the cars that were being bought. Um, what pushed me to join the Marine Corps was the fact that I didn't really have money for college. And while I was working, I was still waiting on my residency. So at that time, I was still um, an immigrant, I guess you can say. Because, yeah, back in 2007, they didn't require you to be a citizen. Because I came in and I was on a green card as well. So yeah. you were waiting for your green card or for, like, your citizenship? So I was waiting for my green card. As I graduated high school, I think I graduated high school in maybe June or May. I can't remember. I think in July of 2007 is when I got my green card. And I was like, I can join the Marine Corps. Like, I can join the military if I really wanted to. Um, but so got my green card. I was like, I still was kind of iffy about the military. So I continued to work. I enrolled in a community college. I started doing community college for a little bit. I was paying, you know, my tuition and then working, but then doing my homework. So it was just like, it was just a lot. 
Okay. Um, so how did I guess so? How did you end up with the Marine Corps? Did you talk to all the services, or did you? How did you even find out about the Marine Corps? Sorry, <laughs> One of my ex-boyfriends in okay. high school um, actually enlisted in the in the Marine Corps. So yeah, that's kind of how I got introduced to the Marine Corps was because of him. He would send me like the you know boot camp letters with the Marines on the top. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, this is so cool. Nerd. I know. Um, okay. So how did, when did you decide to join then? Like why, I guess he was a boot camp and you were home. When did you leave? Did he come back before you left? So we actually broke up because I was a, I don't know. He's going straight to jail. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, I was a junior and I think he was a senior. So uh, there was like that one year gap. Okay. Um. So I never, like, we never, once he came back from boot camp, you know, he did his thing. Like, we never kept in touch. Okay. Um, but the Marine concept, like, still stayed in the back of my head, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it was, like, the Marines really, like, intrigued me. Um, and it was just, like, oh, wow. It would come to the high school at the time. They're dressed blues. And I was, like, oh, my God. It looks so, like, beautiful, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So, like, it was just always in the back of my head. Um, so when, like, college started getting hard as far as, like, paying the tuition and just, like, doing homework and all that stuff, I remember driving, actually, home from work and, like, seeing, like, the poster, you know, on the road of, like, Marines. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm doing it. Like, I'm dropping my college classes and I'm joining the Marine Corps. And I remember going to, like, the, you know, because they have, like, the, all the four branches um, next to each other. Well, it depends where you go. But I remember going and the Marines were in there that day. The Air Force were. And, or no, vice versa. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to Marine Corps. I'm going to do the Air Force. My intent was to go into the Air Force uh office um because i had you know i knew what the marines were all about so i really wanted to join the air force and the air force recruiter was not there so as i'm walking back to my car this recruiter this marine recruiter comes out of his office and i was head over heels i was like who are you <laughs> i'm sure that's how they get most of their uh, people, yeah, yeah. And the Air Force not being there because same thing, right? A lot of people, a lot of I guess female Marines always go talk to the Air Force and they're never there. And it's like yeah. Marine recruiter comes out of nowhere. What are you doing? In the same day, yeah. History. <laughs> okay, so when you so was that the day that you like committed and decided, and then when did you go to boot camp? I committed in September of two thousand seven. I signed all my paperwork in September, I think September, October timeframe. Went through like the whole like pulley phase, right. half of October and November. And then I shipped out in December. Jesus, help me out here. December seventeen. December sixth or seventh, I think. I can't even remember my boot camp right now. Has it been Yeah, that's the day like that's the day that's on my um <laughs> like you got to boot camp December seventh. I know because I think you got there. Be- you got there before me. I don't know, but anyway, it was sometime in December. Of yeah. Okay. 
And then, um, okay, so you got to Paris Island. Any um, memorable <laughs> <laughs> moments for boot camp or experiences or? Um, oh my How God. Camp overall. <laughs> Cause Sandra, you were something else, girl. Uh, so, I mean, I'm from Chicago, you know what I'm saying? And I, I, I don't want to say I had like a rough life because I don't, I'm sure people have had it rougher, but, um, like I already had like experienced so much prior to that, that like, I, I mean, I was a turd in boot camp, but like I had an attitude, you know, I had an attitude, you know? I don't know like, if it was an attitude. I think though, it makes sense though, saying where you're from, because I think just watching you and getting in trouble for you all the time it's like you thought this was funny <laughs> like girl is this a joke i don't think boot camp was hard for you and when i say it it was just like hilarious like okay i've been through worse really that's all you got i feel like that's kind of how yeah <laughs> that's exactly what it was for me it was like and then like they would scream at me and it'd be like am i supposed like what am i supposed to do here am i supposed to react to like you yelling at me because like my mom be whooping my ass, you know, like, wow, you're yelling, the way she's yelling at me. So, like, this doesn't do anything for me. But, like, I think initially definitely was funny for me a little bit. A lot, because we paid for you. But okay. I know. But, like, halfway through, like, actual boot camp, I started realizing, like, what was causing, like, a lot of, like, the pain and, like, a lot of the, the reasonings why we were getting hazed. And I like to think that I kind of got my shit together for a little bit. Especially, I think I remember having that conversation with um, drone instructor Steph Sergeant Jones, you know, because mm -hmm. um, I fucking loved her. And I know, like, I know deep, deep down inside, like, she's the reason why I, I'm, I'm still even here, you know? Do you remember when they hazed her in front of us? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. We were at the range, right? Yes something then like clicked on me and I was like, Oh my God, this is I, obviously we, at that point, I didn't know if it was fake or not, but like when I saw her, like she had just saved me from the, cause I don't know if you remember, but I was safety violator. <laughs> Sandra, when I say we paid for you girl, I know I am so sorry. You're right though, because <coughs> I, I remember that moment. We were we were out at the range and I don't even remember what happened, but I remember her coming in with like grass and it looked like she was wet or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're making her do like push ups and burpees in front of us. And we yeah. all like run up there to try to do them with her. Mm -hmm. And they like yell at us and we're just standing there like crying and we're like, What the hell? Like this lady gives us hell, you know? But Yeah. I think you're right. I think for, at least for me, that was like a moment where it was like, holy cow, like something happened, something changed. Yeah. And have you kept in contact with her like while you've been in the Marine Corps? So I actually just sent her an email. I sent her an email and I was like, I just hope you're doing okay. And she was telling me that, you know, your husband had recruited. I think that was like a- Her daughter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so her, yeah. One of the guys in the office. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was like the last time I ever talked to her was um, when she told me about her daughter. I mean, to this day, like, I still look up to her, you know, like, yeah, yeah. She, I think that was like, like, you know, like I mentioned, it was the pivotal moment of my little recruit career where I was mm -hmm. like, oh my God, I need to, this is serious. And like, I respect them so much. Mm -hmm. I need to get my shit together, you know? Because, yeah, Master Guns Jones, obviously, you know, I got dropped. 
like two days before the crucible and she had a really like heart to heart conversation with me and it, it's crazy because there were so many moments like that at boot camp mm -hmm. but it was also chaotic and i think yep. when people think about marine corps boot camp they don't really realize like we're just not there getting yelled at in haze like the drill instructors actually like talk to us right you have like those real moments and they do make us realize like this is like for the long haul you know so you went to cam johnson as well for I went to school. Johnson. yes mos school um honestly that was also kind of like a so you weren't there for very long then you probably got there picked up and graduated pretty much okay. yeah it was like what was it six weeks six weeks eight weeks something like that something yeah like that. yeah i mean yeah. Honestly, like, I don't remember anything because growing up was, like, so, and I think this is what makes me kind of the parent that I am and, you know, further talk. Um, but I, even though, like, I was very strict, um, like, growing up, I was in a very strict household. I think uh, MOS school was just, like, a blur for me because it was, like, the first time I ever, like, really had freedom, you know? To it's, just go out and be free and do what you want and yeah. no consequences, right? Well, well within, were, like, certain, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. So but, you graduated, and I know you've been everywhere and anywhere, and we're not going to talk about every single <laughs> duty station. But overall, like, looking at the t totality of your career so far, what would you say has been your biggest struggle? I think definitely being, I mean, being a female Marine puts a lot of pressure on you. I'll, I'll not take it for granted. Like, I love being a female Marine. I think it's one of the, you know, you look at other branches and I'm going to, like, um, downgrade other females in other branches. But, like, whenever you say that you're, like, a female Marine, you get, like, this look of admiration, you know? Yeah, it's, like, such a good feeling. But, like having that title comes with a lot always have to work hard what it seems like you need to work harder you need to you know if if there are males in your uh section or platoon or company or whatever i feel like you always have to if they're putting a hundred like you got to put 110 you so know where do you think where do you think that comes from because a lot of i think a lot of women kind of feel the same way you I've heard that a lot is you have to work harder but is it because you feel like you had something to prove or where do you think that constant like I have to perform perform comes from I think it's the having to prove just here like one story MAI course you know, I'm, I'm an MAIT uh not MAIT but MAI. MAI. yeah a martial arts instructor martial arts instructor right going through through it in 2010 if anybody was if you remember there used to be satellites so it wasn't like it is now where you know, now if there's an instructor in your in your uh, battalion like they can run a course within the battalion back in 2010 you had to go through like an actual satellite um so it was a little bit harder not to downgrade what goes on now probably hard to just because it's like super secluded or smaller back then when it was in 2010 like it was maybe and so now one maybe one female for like maybe 10 so one the ratio is like 10 men 10 males one female and going through something like that like i remember getting looks at like if i was all the male males always wanted oh like 
run to the ammo cans just and grab them. And then it's like, you grab them. Why are you talking smack? Like, you know, give me one. You're the one that ran. Didn't even give me a chance to grab it. Like, you're trying to, you know, show your position of a male by showing that you're stronger than me by running to the ammo can, you know? Um, I remember they're like, like, they were just talking about how I wasn't carrying my weight. And I remember like going and be like, give me one. Since you want to complain so much about carrying all this weight, give me the weight. And I just remember like after that, just like every time we ran, I made sure I was carrying two ammo cans. Even if I was dying, and even though, even though there was 10 males out of like, there, there was 10 and two uh, females, me and I only, always made sure that on each run, I was carrying the two ammo cans, at least two, just because I didn't want them to say anything, you know? Um, I feel like we do that. But we over like exert yourself. So do you think that, because we talk about right over exerting ourselves like trying to prove but do you think mm -hmm. that like cause i don't know if you got injured during your mai course i sure as hell did <laughs> i did yeah but you know like okay you're already not necessarily injured but you're hurting because the mai course is a physically intense course mm -hmm. so the purpose is to challenge you but now you're being challenged by your instructors and challenging yourself so yeah, I don't. I just sometimes I wonder, like, why do we do that to ourselves? Because I think a lot of women do that. I do that too. It's like right. I am dying right now, but I'm gonna go grab the ammo can when I don't have to. Kind of, kind of crazy. You know, I, I, that's just an example of like one area. When you think about it, you know, you go through like Lance Corporal Seminar, and you go through Corporal Course, Sergeant's Course. Like it just doesn't stop. You know, I don't know if it's like a mentality that starts from like boot camp. You know, because that's one huge thing that they talk about you know when we're in boot camp it's like you're gonna be a bit you know you get like your three categories and i don't know if it's still a thing but you know when we went through our the three big categories were like you're gonna be labeled as you know the b word you're either gonna be like a bitch <laughs> and no one's gonna like you you're yeah. gonna be a lesbian and like like all the girls, or you're just gonna sleep around. And that's what we get taught. Well, at least that's what we were told. Maybe that has something to do with it. And I don't know. I'm curious to find out from like the younger minds if that still happens. Yeah. So it, I think it's just I think it, that mentality just starts in boot camp, you know. Um. So I think that's one of the biggest things within the military. The other big part of being in the military that I've loved and I, you know, continue to love is like people that you meet you know like we've had what 15 year relationship it's crazy to, like think about like I talk to I talk more to people that I went to boot camp than I do with anybody that I went to high or high school with yeah. the connections that I've built within the military I feel like are so much more tighter and closer than any other relationship that I've ever had even in the past that's um, true and I think that's something that I always appreciate about the Marine Corps is, is we've known each other for 15 years, but it's not like we talk every day or, right. you know, but when we do, and I think that's just an understanding of, you know, I have a life. I know you have a life. Whenever yeah. we do talk, it's like, we didn't skip a beat and exactly. if we don't talk again. Like, it's just this, I don't know, like unwritten rule of understanding. Like there's no pressure, there's no guilt, there's no like hurt. It's like, okay, you got a life, let's catch up. Exactly. All right. So 
Um, what would you say, like you said, that's probably one of the best things about being in the Marine Corps, anything else or any The experiences that you get from, like from my first duty station to uh, when I was stationed in Washington, I didn't really get to experience as much deployment as like I really wanted to, um, just because I was pretty much always um, in a non-employable unit. So I don't think I ever really got to experience that type of stuff while I was there or even when I was in Lejeune. But I mean, the experience that I've gotten so far, you know, I've gotten to go to Australia. Like I would have never gotten to go to Australia if it wasn't for the Marine Corps. While I was in Australia, um, you know, they allowed us to, you know, explore even more in the country. And then I even got to go to Bali. That was pretty awesome. You don't get to do that in any other for free at least you know or unless you get one of those fancy three letter agency jobs yeah there's definitely experiences that you don't really get to to have as a civilian that you do as a brain but real quick can you run through your duty stations from to graduated boot camp went to mos school where did you go first and just kind of run through where you've been so from my MOS school, I went to MCRD San Diego. That was my first duty station. The depot, um, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. A- Did I know that? I didn't know that. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was my first duty station. So I went from boot camp to MCT to MOS school back to boot camp. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so just like think about boot camp for like three freaking years. It was horrible. Like, it had its ups and downs um, while I was there meritoriously promoted twice there was a lot of good that came out of my first duty station i met a lot of really awesome people that you fought in fallujah pretty awesome to be surrounded by i mean war heroes you know these these people had been in battles of like baghdad and fallujah and like the stories they had to tell were just amazing and such a humbling experience to be there with them and share that time with them. Um, from there is when like the whole FAP program was, you know, going around uh, the female engagement team. So I really wanted to be a part of that, but unfortunately I never got the chance to. From there, I called the monitor and I asked them, you know, hey, can I go to a deployable unit? And the monitor was like, yeah, sure. Send me to freaking Washington State to a not another non-deployable unit nothing really i I mean i loved washington it was beautiful um this an i and i in washington it was a cnat okay okay a training squadron okay and then from there you know i fell in love like the good corporal that i was and followed my now ex-husband to Lejeune. In Lejeune, I was with CLR 25, Mm -hmm. which is like no longer a a regiment. Uh, From there, I got PCA 2nd Elite Battalion, 2nd Law Enforcement Battalion, which I think also doesn't exist anymore. From there, I went to, I got promoted to Staff Sergeant there, so they had to move me um, so I got PCA to MARSOC. So I was the student admin chief there for a little bit. And then I was there for like a year. And after being there for a year at the schoolhouse, um, 
that's when they started integrating females into the uh, battalions. And I didn't know this, but I don't know if you knew this, but if there's any junior enlisted females, there has to be a senior senior female enlisted. Was it just that specific unit? Because it was new, right? This was probably around 2014, 15, when a lot of the women integration stuff started happening, right? I think so. Um, I don't know. I I personally thought it was just like in general, like in any in any unit, there's always has to be there. If there's any like lower ranking female, there has to be like a senior ranking female, just in case there's like any like thing that happens or something. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I know that was a that was an interesting time in the Marine Corps is when the female integration started happening. Yeah. And then as administrators, right, we we were kind of like some of the first because it was easy to say, hey, you're admin chief, go over here, so, right? And yeah. then you got like the supply people and then you got the logistics. Yeah, that's the first time I've heard anyone say that, but I'm going to look that up because I don't know. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So I ended up getting orders with their Raider Battalion. So I was one of the first females with the corporal to be in a all-male uh, battalion. So I think that was pretty cool. Like a, how was that experience? Like, how did you feel? Honestly, like, I don't know what it is about the community within Marsoc, but I never felt like I was lower than them, if that makes sense. I never felt like I needed to show off. I think that was like the, which is crazy for a, a, com, um, a community like for the type of unit that they are, that right? are you know, like super like macho man, like uh, high standards, super high performers. I never felt like I needed it. I felt like I was equal, you know, and not equal because I knew that I couldn't do half of the stuff that they were doing, you know. But you didn't have to prove your worth. <laughs> but I didn't either. have to prove exactly. Okay, that's interesting. I've never heard that perspective. But that's that's really good hearing about, or especially because of the type of unit that they are. Yeah. Uh, so how long were you, at, or where did you go after that? So I was there for a total of three years. After there, I received orders to Hawaii. Okay. Um, where Hawaii. we... Yeah, Did you love it or hate it. Lie, it's, yeah. it's like a love or hate relationship there. Uh, I loved it. I went to a squadron, so from you know, a completely. I went from like Marsog to completely different squad uh, squadron life. You know. Okay. <laughs> and you know, I, you've been at a squadron, so the squadron life it's something else. It's a whole yeah. different. It's really busy. Very up, like high, high operational I, tempo. Okay. And I know people say, obviously, when you're in a squadron, you know, all we really care about is flight hours and flight mm -hmm. schedules and all of that stuff. But the admin shop puts in work, too. Like, they, the air stations, the squadrons are always moving. And DTS is a nightmare there. Squadrons yeah. are not my first choice. <laughs> I neither. And then from Hawaii, you came to your current billet, right? Right. I guess in your situation now, you want to talk about your kids? Single mom since 2018 well you said okay so you got when did you get divorced because you said you're now ex-husband so when did you get divorced? 2016 okay so you got divorced and you have you have your son with your husband or your ex right okay and then um after your divorce and whatever he moved on you moved on and then you had your daughter right 
Okay. So you are sitting now with um, single mom with two kids. Anything you want to talk about there? Or so it's just, I mean, it's a hard, it's a hard life. Nobody really like talks about, I mean, we talk about it, but it's hard because I feel like, again, the whole kind of double standards, you know, like, um, I've had really good commands. So like, I can't really sit here and like really complain about it. Cause I, I think I've had amazing commands that have supported me and like, they understand, you know, that I am like the only one doing everything, you know, I, I, I work all day. Um, and then I have to come home and you know, get it ready. But I think like one of the biggest like hurdles for me is like when I have deployed, just having to find someone, you know, to watch the kids, like a huge thing within what's happening in my situation is like my son's dad is in, in the picture, you know? So I think that makes it like super hard, um, when it comes to like deploying, doing whatever, finding someone to like be. And then with my daughter, like, you know, um, I deployed last year and, um, you know, had a whole with her father about, you know, having her for employment time frame and then coming back and her, him not wanting to get back. Now it's been a year, over a year since he's had her and I'm still finding custody of my daughter. So let's, let's back up real quick and just clarify that. So you deployed and you had an agreement for your daughter to go with her dad mm-hmm. for the duration of the deployment, right? Right. And the agreement was, was the agreement like long-term, short-term or, hey, for the deployment, you have her. And then when I get back, she'll come back and live with me, right? That's the understanding? Pretty much, yeah. So when you came home, like, I guess that didn't happen or how did you? Technically, the agreement was that, you know, she would stay over there for the deployment and the holidays because they came back uh, during the holidays. And it was his year to spend holidays with her. So we came to the agreement that it was just best for her to just like leave her there during the holidays so that I wouldn't bring her back to North Carolina and then having to like take her back for the holidays. After the holidays, you know, we were supposed to. And then, you know, he started coming up with excuses of why, you know, it was best that she would stay over there and um, refused to, you know, give her back. I went up there to try to get her again. Didn't He didn't want to give her back. Um, took me to court. The court agreed, you know, ruled in his favor, said that, you know, it was best for her to stay there since he had already been there for six months, that it was best that she would stay with him and not be moved to establish jurisdiction. So I've been doing a lot of reaching out to other service members because I know I'm not the one that this has happened to. And it's just like a sad reality because I just don't think a lot of service members ever speak up. On- so at this point, and I mean, this is like an out-of-state situation for you. So it's not like you could drive there. This is like flying time and putting in leave mm-hmm. um, and booking hotels. So it's like a financial obligation or a financial burden as well. Right. Yeah. And then lawyers. I mean, lawyers are, I think a lot of the things that were happening, even, you know, when Iraq was happening and Afghanistan was happening is like, you know, Marines get not combat, you know, ta- tax exempt, and then they get all their all these other bits. But then service members come back, and they have to use that money for lawyers. 
so yeah, financial burden in this in the aspect that I'm spending. I think I'm twelve thousand dollars in right now with lawyers. You said twelve thousand. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, man. So how do you how do you get to see your daughter now? Are you? She prohibited me from removing my daughter from the state of Massachusetts. So I'm not allowed to take her out of that state. If I want to see her, I have to drive up there, uh, which I just went for Mother's Day. I drove up there for Mother's Day to spend with her for like, we were there for four days or five days. And then previous to that, in February, after my court date, I got to spend uh, six hours with her. It's been a roller coaster of emotion. At this point, I've been in the Marine Corps for... 15 years. Um, I've given, I feel like a lot of my life to the military. Um, I love being a Marine. I love, like I said, I love being a fellow Marine. I love deploying for, you know, for costs. And it just sucks that after everything I've been through and the many years that I've given to the military, that it would be used against me. It's, it's not like there's been any sort of like abuse or neglect because i think sometimes when people hear that they're like okay it's just one side of the story it was it was literally um at least from from <clears throat> our conversations right it was literally like waiting for an opportunity because there's there's school age things so there was a lot of things that were kind of for lack of a better term plotted against you and the deployment was like the perfect opportunity to take advantage of that situation right in my eyes, yes. Um, obviously, like you said, a lot of people have different perspectives and they're going to think what they want to think. But the last four years, you know, I've had her for the last four years and I'm raising her by myself you know, with my son. It's just been me and them. And it was just crazy the way everything went down after it was my turn to get her back. And even just, you know, reading everything, everything that was said, like, the biggest thing was like, no, it wasn't about the deployment. It's like, mm, it kind of was, you know, none of this would have happened if I didn't deploy. If that was communicated with you, would you have still deployed? Probably not. Right. No. I mean, I don't want to assume. I mean, I meant, you know, you know, my situation as far as my command, I, I think that if I would have known that something like this would have happened to me and that would have, it would have had such an effect on, you know, me losing temporary custody of my daughter, I would not have done it. And I, I think I would have, like I said, I've, I have a very supportive command and I think they would have been supportive of me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> as far as your career, like what is next for you? Are you, has the situation like made you consider getting out or because Knowing you for the past 15 years, I thought always, okay, she's going to be a first star and star major. Like, that's easy. I could see it. No doubt about it. Has that changed? Are you thinking about maybe it's time to go? Or is it now like, absolutely, I'm leaving at 20 or we'll see what happens at 20 or is it beyond? Like, where are you at with your career? As of right now, I mean, my EAS is in December. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you haven't relisted? No. Okay, you're coming okay. out then in a couple of weeks. Yeah, September. Yeah. September, I think, is the the time frame that I need to submit my package. Outstanding right now. I don't know. It sucked. Like I keep going back and forth between you know just finishing out my twenty year and then you know making sure that I get that retirement money and then like my BA benefit. 
you know, and, and that's extra income that I can, you know, use for my future, you know. Massachusetts isn't cheap. Massachusetts is super expensive. So I've thought about all of that. It's hard. It's like a super hard decision. I don't want to just say screw this for 16 years. I know people that have done it best and they're very successful people. But it's just such a hard decision. Um, but definitely, if I do stay in, I think 20 is my cutoff for sure. That's very respectable, right? Um, okay, so as we close here, do you have any advice for women, moms that are choosing to join the Marine Corps? Because part of the reason that I started this is I got tired, not necessarily tired, like I always hear, oh, the Marine Corps is a bad place for women, the Marine Corps sucks, there's no great women there. And I'm like, it's like everything in life, you have good and bad days, but you know, we've been there for 15 years. I know people who've been in 30 plus years. So right. what advice do you have for women, moms, girls who are thinking about joining the Marine Corps or are in the Marine Corps? My biggest advice is don't ever give up. I think that's one of the biggest things, like we all, not we, but there's been many times where like, you know, I've bumped into a hardship or something that's hard within like my career, just not giving up and surrounding yourself with other positive influence of women, you know, that are doing the thing, doing the damn thing, you know, um, <laughs> having your, your, your tribe. I think you mentioned somebody in your last podcast mentioned it, like having that tribe of women that, you know, are successful, have knowledge, you know, have been in your shoes. I think if you talk to other female Marines, we've all been similar stories. I think we all kind of similar backgrounds or, and if it's not similar backgrounds, like we're going to know someone that's been through a certain situation and we can help you out. You know, I think always know that like, don't be afraid to ask either. I think for the longest, uh, I've, tried to figure things on my own especially as like a, a young junior marine I always like was so afraid to ask for help or to ask for advice but I think you need to you need to find out find those people that you can trust you know find your mentors find your tribe find the the people that are gonna your back and and you're gonna be successful in this this community you're going to be in for 20 years and <laughs> we're uh, working stick, on it. We're, you know, we're working on it. The, stick to the people that bring out the best in you. Like I've known you for 15 years and I still call you sometimes like what, you know, I called you that one time when I was up in Massachusetts, I was like, Hey, can I wear my, you know, like, I'm like, who's gunny are you? What is this? <laughs> Someone come get your gunny. You <laughs> right, no, you need that. You need those people that are gonna be like, okay, this is a dumb question. I don't have time to look it up. Like, hey, how you doing? I need this. Bye. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Because I think sometimes, um, I was talking to someone the other day, and I think sometimes when you have friends with people. Mm -hmm. you kind of want them to think like you think and not disagree with you or not call you out. Right. But I think sometimes at least that's like the value I've seen in the Marine Corps is like people will call me all the time and it's like, well, you're a dummy. Like, what are you doing? But that's what they need, right? No, they need I, like, honest uh, feedback. Uh, yeah. Tell me, tell me that I'm not supposed to wear my freaking, uh, you know, my blue collar, 
You know, I do need that. Everybody needs to hear when, and you're right. That's a big one. Even being a junior Marine, don't be afraid to freaking correct your, your, your peers. Mm -hmm. Like, I know we all try to be cool. And I mean, it's okay to do stupid things when you're a junior Marine, but like, make sure you're like correcting your people and not letting them get in trouble. Cause I think a lot of things can be avoided if you take that criticism and you're not like, who are you to me? I can't jump out of the second building, <laughs> you know? Help each other out. Yeah. Cause yeah. you never know, right? Look, we started from the bottom. Now we're here. No, that's so important. Yeah. <laughs> no, we awesome. can't end this podcast without talking about, you know, your boot camp story. You thought it was going to just like <laughs> slip out. No, we got to talk about it because it's been 15 years and, you know, we're here still talking about it. So sorry, guys. So let's hear it. Sandra has a story from boot camp. So, you know, we talked about boot camp and, you know, how me and Serena were in boot camp together. And if if you're listening, you've been to boot camp, you know, we get fire watch one night. I was on <laughs> fire watch. And when I tell you, it's like bumfuck 2 a.m. in the morning. And I just put on my boots and, you know, getting my uniform on because it's, 2 a.m. and I have fire watch because the scribe hated me. Um, just kidding. <laughs> Love you, Tatum. Um, I start like I thought I was dreaming for a second because all I hear, "Hi, ma'am," and I look up to my bunkie because it was me and my bunkie that were on fire watch that night, and I'm like, "Bro, who is screaming?" And we get up. And we start with our little flashlights, our little blue and red flashlights, trying to figure out who's screaming. And there's Serena, position of attention, by her bunk, just straight screaming, I'm ma'am! I'm ma'am! In my sleep. Dead of sleep. We were like, what the hell do we do? Do we tuck her back in? Like, do we just keep letting her scream? Like, what do we do? Straight asleep. Yeah, I think you did it for like two minutes straight. Yeah. And then you tucked yourself back into your bed. Yeah, that was, I don't even remember that. That was after the range. That was like right before I got dropped, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I was, I think I was just really stressed out because I knew I was going to get dropped, but no one actually told me. Oh, shit. yeah. Until obviously, like I found out, but it was one of those things where, like, when we would go marching and stuff, I was yeah. always in like, ear watch. I don't know if you remember. I know. And I feel like Master Guns Jones was trying to like take care of me. Well, now yeah. Master Guns, then Staff Sergeant, right? But I just never healed. Like my hip was fractured. I don't know, man. It's just it's hilarious every time I hear it. But um, I mean, there's so many other stories too that from boot camp that. We're just so, you just never forget those stuff. Yeah, no, that's true. This was but, fun. <laughs> I know. I really oh, Wait, wait, before we go, we got to talk about your podcast. So Sandra has a podcast as well. Can you tell us the name of it and where we can find it? Podcast is called One Thing or, an One Thing or Another. It's where we talk about, you know, life. What feels like there's always something, like there's always a struggle that have to you know go go through or jump over it feels like you're going through happiness and then boom it hits you again you know it's just like it's life but you can find it on spotify right now we have like a relationship kind of sequence going on for us 
you know, single folk going through like the dating life now because the the struggle is real, which is like a whole different subject of dating while being military and single. Um, We're going to have to talk about that later because I hear, I mean, I've been at the game for a long time. If I was single today, I just, I don't know how y'all do it. But yeah, we're going to have to come back and talk about that. Um, We'll definitely link your show your social medias in the um in the show notes sandra thanks for coming on here just one more thing you know when we talk about you mentioned you know um what advice we have for you know females that might be listening to your podcast that um are joining or thinking about joining the military you need to hit serena fleming that's a good mentor right there. I really appreciate you doing this for this podcast and, you know, sticking up for us females and just telling our story and letting us tell our story and, and everything that comes with being a female Marine and all the hurdles and thanks for being on. Fun times. Thanks. Yeah.